Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence, to come before your throne. We find mercy, we find grace to help us in our time of need. I thank you, Lord, that we know we need you. We know we can't do without you. Father, in, in understanding our needs is, is 90% of having the answer. So we thank you that you've given us understanding of these great truths of yours. And we open ourselves to hear more today in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today I think we'll talk about what it is to have a point of contact to release your faith. Uh, you, you, you need to have a point of contact to release your faith. And, um, many times we, we assume we're in faith. We assume we're believing God and, and often we don't get the results that we're looking for or we don't understand how to examine what we're doing to find out about the results. And so if, if we'll kind of like pull this all together and get a good understanding of what God is trying to share with us about this, I think we'll get a, a, a good grip of, of what he wants and how he wants and how to make your, your believing more uh, fruitful, how to make your prayer life more productive, how to receive the things you desire from God, because he does want to, to bless us. You know, he wants to, to give us the things that we see in the Bible. He wants to give us the things we desire. He said, if you delight yourself in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. What's in your heart, he'll give it to you. And what he means by that, see, when you delight yourself in him, that means you have his heart. Amen. He shares his heart with you. He shares his thoughts with you, his plans for you. All of that uh, is yours for the asking and the receiving uh, because he desires. That's what a covenant is. He's already agreed that he's given us everything. Amen. So we never have to lack. We never have to have fear. We never have. But we do have to learn. This is a learning process. Um, don't ever think because you've been saved X number of years, that counts nada, zero, zip, nothing. Amen. I mean, it, it's nice because you've been walking with God, but you've got to have fruit to show that God is your God. Amen. And, and he's been with you and he's still with you. So that's what we live by. We live by the fruit. Amen. We all want to have fruit that remains and we want to produce the fruit of God in our lives. And so when we talk about a point of contact, um, I'm thinking about Abraham. So we're going to talk about him and, and several points of contact that God gave him so that he could believe. Now, if, if, if you've had a baby at 90 and 100, then you don't need this. So everybody should be awake and taking notes. And, and you, you understand what I'm saying? Just, you know, don't be so passive about, you know, oh, she owned this again. I'll wait till something new comes. Don't, this ain't a bus station. The bus stops right here. Amen. And, and grab the things that God, they're there for us to help us, folks. So grab these things as, as they're being spoken and, and make note of them. Write them down. Write your vision down and make it plain. Amen. We all should be looking to God to improve our lives, to give us certain things and to help us with certain things. And if, if it's not important enough for you to write it down, I mean, come on now. 
You know, you know how I'm a teacher, basically. You know that. And we get on people when they just sit up and gaze at the ceiling like they got some, like you got someplace else better to go. Understand what I'm saying? Come on, y'all. So help yourselves. I'm not throwing shade for nobody, but I'm just telling y'all, don't, don't be so passive about God's word. You know what I'm saying? You know, some of us have been in church all of our lives. We say we ought to have great things to show for it. Y'all be a soul winner. You know, if you've been sitting under the word all your life, this place should be full of people you brought. You understand what I'm saying? Come on now. And uh, and so we need to get more engaged in God's word. Amen. Because there are things every time I go into the word, I find out something new. A, a new slant on something or a new revelation. God is full of revelation. He's never stopped giving revelation to his people. Amen. And so I'm trying to stir you up to get your own revelation from him. What's he doing in your life? And how's he working in your life? And how's he providing? And, and what's he teaching you personally in addition to what you receive here? So, so understand how to receive, how to partake, and how to feast on God's word. This is spiritual food, food for your spirit so that you can come into all of the good things that God has for you. Amen. So in, in Romans chapter four, we see a, a, a scripture that we all like. Amen. <laughs> we like it because it talks about our father, Abraham. And the Bible says that they who are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So we're blessed with him. Amen. So what that means is that every every blessing he had, we have a portion of that. Everything you saw God do for him, that's your portion as well. And that's why he's there in the Bible to point us to what we can expect from God, how we should live before God. If we want to receive these things, he's our, 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 we are his heirs. He is our forefather. He is the one that set the pace for us in his dealings with God. And many times people will, will ask, well, that's, that was an impossible thing that God did with Abram and Sarah at their old age. Amen. And, and most people look at it as something extreme. Well, you know, I don't need that, but there's stuff that God did for him that you do need. Amen. Don't turn down the, throw out the baby with the bath water, you know, just, you know, that portion, maybe that's not for you or maybe that's for somebody else or maybe that is for you. I don't know. You don't have to be that old to be a parent if, if God's promised it to you. That'll work for somebody that's young too. You got me? And so we, we need to walk in his footsteps a little bit and understand how, uh, he, he's able to be the father of us, the father of those who are of faith, uh, because he had a continual relationship of faith in God that it would be well for us to study and to develop a pattern, a familiar pattern of how he walked with God. And so in Romans chapter four, it says here, uh, verse 16, verse 16, therefore it is a faith, that's us, that it might be by grace, which means that you don't earn this. See, faith can come to anybody. How does faith come? By hearing 
hearing by the word of God. So anybody can hear. You can open your ears to hear anything, message that God has for you. I got saved because I was in a beauty shop and we had different booths. I had a booth because I had to, you know, have privacy in the kind of work that I did there. But I overheard a lady giving her testimony. And I was like Sarah behind the curtain laughing. I was a sinner. Been in and out of church all my life. Amen. But never really heard the gospel. It'll shock you how many people are in in churches now and can't hear the gospel. Can't hear about God's power to save your whole family and they'll go home to a, a messed up household, you know, a household with nobody's respecting God and they're barely hanging on by a slender thread and never get any encouragement that God's going to save everybody because he saved them. You understand me? But I didn't see her. I didn't even know who she was, but I heard what she said. And I heard how messed up her life was. But I heard one thing she said, and I got saved. God saved me. And I said, mm, she needed to be saved. She, she's all, you, you understand what I'm saying? Sinners, just because sinners mock you, that don't mean they're going to be stupid forever. Amen. And if you get offended, you ain't much smarter than they are. Because it's not your message. It's God's message. And But I appreciated her boldness. She just spoke it out, and there was nobody in there saved but her. I mean, you know how beauty shops are, most of them. You know, they just like the movies. People come in there selling dinners, come in there selling stolen clothes, you know. Price tag steal on them. They steal warm. Barbershops, too. They all the same, full of sinners. And her hairdresser didn't know, but she was actually... Doing God's work, opening the door, because she liked hearing it for some reason. She wasn't saved either. She just liked hearing that story. Jerry, tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him. Y'all listen to this. Y'all got to hear this. Listen to this. Listen to this. You know, she, she stopped doing what she was doing, giving her full attention. Amen. And, I mean, you couldn't have got a, a Christian to do a better intro for you. You understand what I'm saying? And And so I heard. And at that time, I thought I was doing pretty good. But then when depression hit me and I couldn't work anymore, I remembered. See, God will put stuff in you to draw it up. And so I say that to say, don't don't ever shy away from sharing Christ with people. I don't care how disinterested they seem. I don't care if there's no audience paying attention and, and they don't seem to care what you're talking about. Because faith comes by hearing. And how will they hear unless God sends somebody to preach? Amen. And that's us. So don't forget it. You're sent with a message. You always have a message, amen, of hope and salvation. And I wasn't saved on the basis of God's going to make you a millionaire. That's not the gospel. That's a benefit maybe for you after you're saved, but you got to get saved first. You got to get rid of that sin before you can get into, y'all know what I'm talking about. We call it old school religion, old time religion. Ain't religion. It's the truth of the gospel. It's got to be preached. 
So once we hear the gospel, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so once we hear and we accept Christ, we repent of our sins and get born again, we come into the inheritance of Abraham. Amen. We are his heirs. And he says, because it is a faith that it might be by grace. You didn't earn your way into God's kingdom to the end that the promise might be sure to all seed. So anybody can believe. This is sure to everybody. Everybody can believe. Not to that only which is of the law, but that which is also by faith of Abraham, who's the father of us all. So Abraham merged two different groups of people into one by faith. The Jew has to drop the law and believe by faith, just like we have to believe. We all come in. The, the, the Calvary is a level playing field. It levels the field for every. We all got to come by way of the blood and by way of repentance. And so he merges us into one. He says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. So it, everybody who believes, that's the many nations. Before him who he believed, even God, who quickens or makes alive the dead and calls those things which be not as though they are. So God calls things that are not as they are, as they already are, not as they appear in the natural. Now, in order for us to receive God's promises, he has to snatch us out of the natural realm and over into the faith realm, the believing realm. And this is where people have their difficulty because you can pray. And believe God, but if you don't see it soon enough, you drop believing. We all, when I did that, when, when I first got started, to be honest with you, I just realized in, in the more recent years that it has to be a discipline to believe this way, or it's easy for your mind to slide right back over there into the natural realm. The Bible says that, that men come in and out, they come into the kingdom and find pasture. But you go in and out. You go into believing and out into looking at you, how you feel, what do you know, do I have pain, don't I have pain, is it working, ain't it working, where's my money? See, we all drift in and out of the kingdom. And so God has to snatch us over in there with him to stay, hopefully. He wants us to stay. But he allows this Back and forth because you get over into his realm and your mind is totally stunned at what he tells you. And if it ain't stunned yet, it will be one time if you listen to him long enough. Some of those outrageous, outlandish ideas we get, um, huh? Could be God. Could be. You don't think Abraham's life was outrageous? He's our example. In other words, God is saying, if you follow me, you're going to have this outrageous, out, uh, outrageous, outlandish life because you're following me. And I'm outrageous and outlandish according to what's going on down here. So God gives us points of contact to snatch us over into his realm and imprint us and impress us with his word and what he has for us, his vision for our lives, what he's going to do for us. Amen. You know, we'll have a vision of, of going to school and getting a degree. And he'll tell you, he said, I got so much more for you. And that's just the beginning. And we get that little piece of paper and go, 
Lord have mercy. I don't want to do that. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, that was so hard. Because you didn't let him snatch you into his his realm. So it's hard for you because you had to work everything out in the flesh. You learn how to live over in his realm. Everything's easy. It's like a piece of cake. You're out there picking daisies in a field you didn't buy. Huh? Why? Because that's what he has for us. I has not seen nor ear heard as entered in the heart of man. But we know them because they're discerned by the spirit. Your eye can see and your ear can hear what he has for you. Why? Because he can snatch you over into his world and start talking to you about his world. And that's what he did with Abram. For the From the day he met that man, he gave him outrageous, outlandish things that that gave them to him. No stipulations, just follow me. What does that mean? Worship God. Do what he tells you to do. Huh? You following somebody. Oh, well, I'm my own person. Don't, 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 you know, come on, don't insult your own intelligence. You smarter than that. Amen. You didn't follow yourself when you got in trouble. You didn't follow yourself when you lost everything. You don't follow yourself when you got on drugs. Somebody else out here to follow. But God wants you to follow him so that you can do well, so that you can be well. You'll live long. You'll be able to to do all of these things. So God gave Abram several points of contact. I'll tell you briefly what they are. We'll, We'll talk about them. He gave him, number one, circumcision. He gave him also blood covenants. They would slay animals. He gave them a covenant meal as a point of contact. He told them to count certain things as points of contact. Count stars. Count the sand and the grains of sand in the seashore. Amen. He gave them a name change as a point of contact. Amen. And he made him laugh. Last point of contact. Amen. You need to know that that's your final, your final capper on your promise. When you know it's coming, what do we all do? We get joyful. We start to rejoice. Amen. You should start to rejoice. If you don't know how to let go of that fear and all that kind of, you don't know how to stay in the word and let go of fear until you do rejoice at the fact that you have it already. Amen. And the devil can't steal it. Once your faith is in operation, you don't have to worry about the devil. All you have to worry about is you staying in faith. Amen. If he has the power to knock you out of faith, you have the power to get right back in again. So he's not a big deal after you. Once that promise is in you, it's locked in you. Amen. And it will come to pass. If you stay faithful to God, it will come to pass. So we'll get started. We'll turn to Genesis chapter 12 and you'll, you'll begin to see how God Met Abram, how he dealt with him, the things that he gave him, the things he promised him. Genesis chapter 12, in verse, starting in verse 1, he tells Abram to get up and go. And that kills most people right there. Amen. We like the familiar. If you could be blessed where you are, you'd be blessed. Well, anyway, I don't know who believes it. Some people believe it. Am I right, Poppy? I hate to keep just, you know, knocking on your door, but, you know, you're going to have to move. 
Amen. At least a muscle. You know how sometimes we scared. I don't know if that's God or not. We'll just move toward it. He ain't going to hurt you if you move toward it. See, there's no penalty for stepping out even in a little bit of faith. There's a lot of uncertainty when we first start to deal with the things of God. But if we never use the little bit of faith that we can use, you'll never get a big wad of faith to complete the job with. Amen. So you've got to start somewhere. So he tells Abraham, he said, the Lord said to him, get out of your country from away from your kinfolk. Huh? Man, man, Babra, sister girl. Cutting girl. Huh? Everybody was girl, so they run out of girl, so you had to say cutting girl, 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 sister girl, auntie girl. So get away from all them people. Amen. He said, leave your father's house. Now what that means is he wants to detach us from what we're depending on in the natural. So that's your first introduction. That's your first shocker. To live by faith is he divorces you from everybody you've been depending on. Amen. Many times people don't understand why, you know, I got saved and now I'm married, but I'm me and my husband don't get along. Well, he's not saved. You are. So you're going to have some friction. So God's separating you from them, but he don't mean you walk off and divorce nobody. Amen. You endure the persecution. We got to be persecuted in order to, you know, live holy for God. If there's nothing to persecute, you might doubt whether you really got saved or not. Amen. So the first thing Jesus said, I came to bring a sword to your household, a division, a dividing line. You will be divided. Daughter against mother, mother-in-law, father, all of that. Your your family will, will get separated from you at some point. Amen. So parents, when your kids get grown, don't be shocked if they don't want to come to church anymore. See, most of you have found that out. You got grown kids. So that means you got to stand on the word, mom and dad. You can't quit believing God because what he said from the beginning will come to pass. But that division will come, you know, and sometimes it can be pretty heartbreaking. You know, you don't want to see your kids go off a separate way, but you got to stay close. That means you get closer to God. There's everything that leaves you. It just means you got to get closer to him. That's all that means. So you get closer to God, get understanding, get, get encouragement, get greater doses of faith so you can keep it moving. And he says, I will make of you a great nation. Now, how's that for a promise? Anybody in here been promised that from God? I didn't think so. But it doesn't mean that you can't be. But look at all the possibilities in between where you are feeling like a little worm because you just got saved and don't know nothing. And where he is, a great nation. So you're moving toward that inheritance. You're moving toward that position that God wants to to position you at as a great something, whatever. You know, I mean, he's promised that to us, all of us. Amen. Your your name is great in a lot of places and you don't know it because you don't know what great really is. Most of us don't. We hear that word. We get, oh, 
You understand what I'm saying? Ooh, and then you get deflated real quick. What does that mean? What that mean? Huh? You need to ask God sometimes. Don't depend on everybody to define you for you. Go and talk to God about God. I keep seeing great nation. What's that mean? Then you'll find out what you got inside of you that God has put in there that makes you great. Amen. You got more in you than you think. You just have to take time to explore and examine and get an understanding. All those things. Amen. Sometimes our goal is to, to have a good, good job, a good career. And then we find out we're there for another purpose. Anybody ever lived in that life? You find out, oh boy, I could risk all of this today if I open my mouth the way God wants me to. You haven't, you will. Huh? He says, I will make your name great. And it sure is. He's in the Bible, y'all. You don't get greater than that. <laughs> and you will be a blessing. And what, in other words, what he's telling Abraham, I'm going to make your name great in a good way. You're not going to be Charles Manson. You're not going to be Adolf Hitler. I'm going to make your name great in a good way. Amen. When he says you will be a blessing, that's what he means. I will bless them that bless you, curse them that curse you. And these shall all families of the earth be all the families of the earth. How is such a thing possible? Amen. But if you think about it, he's talking about a covenant that would restore what Adam lost in the garden. Whenever you see the whole earth, the whole world, whatever, the whole of it, what he's talking about is the Adamic uh, inheritance. When Adam ruled the whole world. In other words, he's talking about defeating Satan and giving the world back to humanity. It belongs to people. It don't belong to the devil. Amen. And if, see, if we're smart, we're un, we'll understand that we can dislodge the devil even anytime God says so. He comes on your property. You can make him leave and leave your kids alone. He doesn't treat you right. You can, you can, you know, X him out of everything you have anything to do with and get back your peace. So he says here in, in, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That is an Adamic promise, folks. That promise was given to Adam. So Abram departed as God told him. I'd go, wouldn't you? At this point, his father had passed away. He had land. He left land. God has to promise you something greater than what the devil is giving you in order to get you to move. I'm going to say it again. God has to promise you something greater than the enemy has given you to get you to move. He's not going to pay you less than the devil. He's not going to, uh-uh. He's God. The earth is his and the fullness thereof. And if you follow him, you're his heir. And you think he's going to pay you less than you're making, working for whoever you're working for? I don't think so. And see, what makes us, what causes us to lose many times is we don't put our faith in his word. You know what most people do when they see something like that? They think about what they can do. He said none about him, Abraham doing none of this stuff. 
He said, I'm going to do this. You follow me, I'm going to do this. You do what I tell you to, I'm going to do this. The only one thing he told that man to do was leave and go where I tell you to go. Amen. That's all he ever tells any of us. Leave and go where I tell you to go. Amen. Do what I tell you to do. Learn how to forgive people, love people. That's number one. That is the cornerstone of Christianity. Amen. You forgive them first and then you learn to love them. We got the cart in front of the horse. We try to love everybody and can't stand nobody, even ourselves. We got to learn forgiveness. That was the first thing when Jesus blew on them at the, at the tomb. He said, receive the Holy Ghost, whoever sins you forgive. Therefore, they got that before they got the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That was before Pentecost. Pre-Pentecostal empowerment from the Holy Spirit. You know how many people I think really obeyed that command? About 120. A hundred and twenty people in the upper room. Y'all in one room and it's that many people up. up. If y'all ain't forgiving each other, loving each other, I don't know how you're going to stay together. How you going to fit all them people in one place? And at first it started over 500 when they began. But you know what probably thinned the crowd out? Same thing that happens now. Offenses. I'm mad at so-and-so. Well, she told me, I told you I was going to be first in the kingdom. How come he got the best chair in here? That's the foundation of the church, folks, is forgiveness. They had to forgive to get on one accord. (laughs) One accord is love. You got me? Don't let that be disturbed in your life. Always forgive. I mean, God will bring you back to that many, many times. Every day, you'll get an opportunity to forgive somebody. Amen. Before you can show love, don't try to put that flimsy fake love on top of animosity and offense. It shows right through. You know, they don't have to have discernment to see that. That's our covenant with him. We got a covenant to love, folks. Forgive first, love comes. (laughs) It'll come when forgiveness is complete. Amen. So Abraham left as God spoke to him. Lot went with him. Now Lot really was an orphan. You know, when you, his, his father, uh, Abraham's brother, Lot's father had passed away. So it wasn't like Lot was just a tag along. He was really a part of Abram's family. He felt responsible for him. But Lot was growing up, too, and Lot could soon get on his own, as we'll see later. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and all the souls that they had gotten. So he was a fairly well-to-do man, amen, when he left there. So what God had to do was promise him more than what he had, or he never would have left. See, God's a good God. He's not going to coax you into poverty or coax you into unhappiness to serve him. That's a lie from the pit of hell. 
because he provides peace. He provides joy. He just wants us to get used to his brand of stuff. Not what the world gives, but God's brand of everything. So he begins to build a life with Abraham inside of Abraham's heart. Amen. So he, he, Abraham then leaves and he goes to going to the land really towards Canaan and that's that's where he winds up and he took takes all of this family with him the ones he can take and so he runs into a famine see this is decision time as long as things are going well he you know he kept moving he was he was peaceful but then the famine comes and he has to make a decision so when the famine comes Abraham strays away from following God. How do we know that? Because God told him, when you get to the land I'm going to give to you, you will be blessed there. He sees the famine and he doubts the blessing. Amen. And this is what what Jesus means about the kingdom and men go in and out and find pasture. You go in and hear God and receive his promises. You worship God. Everything's fine. But then trouble comes up. And what do you do? You have a decision to make. Do I tough it out and ask God what to do and stay here because he told me to be here? Or do I make the decision to move on? And Abram made the decision to move down to Egypt where there was no famine. He was able to survive very well, took his wife with him. But he creates a bigger problem by straying away from God. got me when you make these decisions to go the world's way you may run into more trouble than you had just following god you got to understand that no matter how tough it gets walking with god if you stop walking with him and you're without his help you're going to have it tougher amen you're going to run into problems that come with the world that you don't really have solutions for. So it's like when we, when we first start to serve God, you know, you can, if you want to go your own way to solve your problem, say you run into a financial problem and you panic, you don't pray about it. You got a relative, a grandma, grandpa, somebody you always can get some spare change off of. And instead of asking God how you're going to resolve this problem, you just go to your usual source. And that's just what he did here. He went where everybody else was going, down to Egypt, thinking he would come back at some point. You know, oh, I didn't just really leave God like people do when they quit coming to church. Oh, I didn't leave God. I'm still serving God. You liar. Huh? Because there isn't a church where you get along with anybody. Well, y'all get quiet if you want to, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna have a little sip. Them, them is professional sojourners. Hmm? They get offended at the drop of a hat. Why? Because they got religion on them. Religion always wants to control the whole congregation. If you can't make them treat you a certain way, you freak out. Huh? And there's tons of people like this. This is the, the main of people. Or they go to a place where they're just a number. 
where they're not held any accountability. That's how mega churches got to be so popular. And see, they can say, I go to so and so and, and feel like they're doing something really big, but they go when they want to. They go infrequently. The real religious ones will tithe religiously because they scared God's going to step on them if they don't give them that 10%. They got a warped idea about their giving. Why? Because they've never really heard truth. And they get in places where people are trying to impart truth to them and they can't stand it. So they get up and keep moving. You know, there's a, a roving herd of people that just go from place to place to place. Bunch of complaints. So Abraham sojourns in Egypt. He goes there because the family just can't stand it. His cattle are probably starving. He's got a lot of cattle. He's got a lot with him. And, and, but while he was there, while he was in, in this place in Haran, he set up an altar and began to worship God. Amen. And, and he called on the name of the Lord. Um, I'm sorry, when he got back to Canaan. Now we know when he was in Egypt, he got in trouble with Pharaoh. He, he made, uh, Sarah because she was a beautiful woman. Now he's 75 and she's 65. And all the men want her. Amen. So God's doing something special with these people. God's preserving her youth. He's preserving his, uh, Abraham's youth because later on Abraham fathers a child, but not by his wife. So God's, God's blessing is already on these people. When you can live 65 years and 75 years and not look your age, you got me? God's really blessing you. And so, you know, that don't come by plastic surgery. You ever watch Botched? The reason they got that show is because that's where most of it turns out. And you got to be pretty desperate to let somebody cut on your face. Not throwing no shade at anybody behind the pulpit, but you know what I'm saying. You know, a slip of the knife and you could be in bad shape. Just a blessing God allows, you know, he gives you grace to, to come out from under that. But you ain't fooling nobody. I mean, somebody can go back in your bio and see the year you were born and tell how old you are. So what you doing? Let me move on. So it says here in chapter 13, Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife. So while they were there, he gets in a little trouble with Pharaoh. Pharaoh's hitting on his wife. And he tells her before they get there, now this is what you're going to do. You're going to help me out. Because <laughs> if some man sees you, he'll kill me to get you. How's that for a loving spouse? See, that was all he knew. These people knew survival. But pretty soon they're going to come into covenant. Amen. Covenant is, is way beyond survival. Covenant is much greater. The covenant is a guarantee you're taking care of full life and beyond. Every need you have abundantly blessed in this life and beyond. That's what God's covenant is. So they didn't have that. So they are learning. They're coming into covenant with God. And as they stumble and make mistakes, God has to to um, uh, teach them some things. And so 
Pharaoh called Abraham and, and I guess eventually they figured out that this woman wasn't supposed to be there. Sometimes sinners are smarter than you got me. He said, take your wife and leave. He said, I, you know, I had trouble around here today. And this is the source of the trouble. So get her out of here. And they blessed Abraham as he left. In cultures back in the day, when you offended somebody, you took something that belonged to them, you had to pay them. And so that's how Abraham got very rich. He was well-to-do before. But if you look here, it says, Pharaoh, verse 20, Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him. They sent him away and his wife and all that he had. Abraham went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him. And Abraham was very rich in cattle, silver and gold. Amen. So when he left Haran, where he was born, he had cattle, he had souls, he had lot. But we see none about the silver and gold in there. He picked up silver and gold because God says, I will bless those that bless you, curse those who curse you. Curse came on Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh had to pay up, and that's where Abraham got silver and gold from. He increases as he goes along. You think God remembers our mistakes? I don't think so. If you can get blessed in a land that you went to through disobedience, think about it. Think of the things that we do sometimes that we just give up on because we feel bad because we shouldn't have done that and all that. God can still bless you out of that. You got me? He adopts everybody that wants to be adopted. Once you're adopted, once you're in, you're in, you're in an inheritance once you get in there. Your sins and iniquities he remembers no more. Your sins don't follow you into God's kingdom. They're forgotten. They're forgiven. And you start off as though you did nothing wrong. And that's where he wants his covenant people to live. So here, this this prophecy that God gave him, I will make you very rich. I will bless those who bless you and, and give you many, many children, all of that stuff, give you great land. And he tells them, when you, when you get to where you're going, you're going to see that this is true. And God is fulfilling every single thing he told Abraham, Abram, without counting his sins against him. You got me? Why? Abram didn't know any better. He's learning. Remember when you were a new Christian, you did everything wrong, you still got blessed? You look back now and you say, I don't even know who that person was hardly. I just, it, yeah, it's just, this, that's how he got it. Same way you got it. Amen. God's not going to cut anybody off because he, he is a merciful God. Amen. So Abraham then, this point of contact, he develops a point of contact with him, uh, in that he is able to, um, Build an altar to the Lord. That's number one point of contact is your worship God. Amen. That's our point of contact with him is daily worship, daily walking with him, meditating with him, letting him have our thoughts, sharing thoughts with him. That's your foundation of your, the release of your faith is found in worship. Once you worship God, you must know that Everything you expect him to do for you 
will happen. That's that's the 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 the, the main part of the covenant that we have to keep with him is that worship. And how many people don't do that? How many people don't stop during the day and talk to God? Or you get to the end of the day, I forgot to do my word. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, the enemy means for us to forget because that's the number one thing that will keep you in good stead with God is worship. Amen? It's worship. And so once we understand all the benefits to worship, see, worship is is fulfilling the covenant. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. Put no other gods before him. Don't get up in the morning looking to go to work all of, all of a sudden. You understand what I'm saying? Just pause for a minute and thank him for waking you up thank him for getting you go and thank him for all the things you're going to do good today god don't let me uh, disconnect from you today let me stay close to you today simple things even if you do feel you don't have time to but at some point you will find out you must make time to stop and worship him before you get going amen you're going to find it's a must do because you'll understand what that God is serious about. He will bless covenant keepers. He blesses them. So anyway, he Abraham's on the move now. He's moved again. And in, in this chapter, in verse in chapter 13, it says here in verse 14, is that where I want to go? 13 verse 4. It says Abraham and two, Abraham was very rich in cattle, silver and gold. The silver and gold he got from Pharaoh's treasury. And it says in verse 4, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first, then Abraham called on the name of the Lord. So he begins to worship God. He set up an altar, and what that said was, God, I'm only going to meet with you here. I'm not going to do any business here. This is not a place of transaction. This is not a place of merchandise. This is a place of worship. He set apart a place for God to meet him there. And God continued to keep covenant and meet him there. Amen. Every time Abraham went there, God met him there. So there's point of contact. What was it? Number one or number two? That's number, number one is leave. So that when, when Abraham will reflect on God, I left the place. You told me to leave and I left. When you reflect on that, some people reflect on the day they were saved and what God did for them and how they changed. That's your point of contact for your future blessing. See, that restores your faith. That renews your faith. That's a place where you can release your faith for God to do more in your life. We need these points of contact. We need to refresh ourselves in what God has done for us that has been good. And so Abraham then, he, he, this, Altar is a point of contact for him to, to worship God and call on the name of the Lord. So he begins to go back and forth to talk to God when he needs to talk to him. The next point of contact was in, um, let me see, 13 verse 14. God says, and the Lord said to Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look. From the place where you are northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I'll give to you and your seed forever. He got more after he separated from Lot than he had when he was with Lot. 
God never, Abraham looked at Lot and said, you take what you want first, I'll take the leftovers. When you make that sacrifice in order to keep peace with somebody, God will not shortchange you. You won't come up short. And Abraham in no way thought he would ever come up short by doing what was in his heart to do toward Lot. So Lot took what he wanted, but God increased Abraham. He gave him more. And so he said to thee, he said to him, for all the land that you see, to thee I will give it to you and your seed. And I will make your seed as the dust of the earth so that if man could count the number of the sands of the sea of the dust of the earth, that's how many children you're going to have. So there's point of contact number two. First one, well, for three. First one is leave, go. Second one, set up an altar of worship, point of contact. Three, count the sand. So God gave Abraham a permanent vision of what the promise would be to build his faith that it would happen. Whatever you have as a point of contact between you and God, make it something that you see frequently enough to remind you what God is going to do for you in your life. I had somebody gave me this, uh, you know, a little, it was just kind of cute thing that the people that did some work for me, I always got people doing work for me, but anyway, you know, need this house is old. It needs stuff. And so, um, they were, they were there and the, the wife said, I got your Christmas present. It's not much. And yeah, yeah, you know, so I want it. I want it. And it was some cute little things from dollar store and I used every one of them. And one of them was a letter board that had cut out letters on it, didn't have any punctuation. You know, I must have my grammatic, my grammatically correct stuff going on. You can't put a question up there with no question mark. So I had to make one, which looks a little rough, but anyway. But I, I was able to, to letter out, is anything too hard for God? Well, I didn't have enough for is, but it says anything too hard for God, question mark. And it's at my door when I come in and when I go out. So that's my point of contact for God to do miracles in my life. At your age, you're looking for miracles. Oh, yeah. More now than ever. Amen. The older you get, the more miracles you need. Baby, it's a miracle for me to get up out of my recliner without hurting something. You understand what I'm saying? Miracles coming and miracles going. Definitely I need them. I need them for y'all. Amen. Cause the more you work with God's people, the more the, the devil's so evil. I mean, you know, you can't, you, you need miracles. So that's my reminder. Point of contact. Release your faith for daily miracles. Miracles coming and miracles going. Amen. On my wall in my kitchen. This is the Lord's doing. What? Me. Everything in my life. Everything I've been through. I'm the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in my eyes. I marvel at what God's done for me and in me. Amen? You know, these are points of contact. Release your faith. Why? Because you need to stay. This word keeps you alive, folks. And so he tells Abram, get up and arise, go through the land, the length of it, and the breadth of it. So he's finally outlining the land. When he was with Lot, it was mixed together. Now that he's separated from Lot, he has his separate inheritance for him. Why? Lot was not 
called to inherit with Abraham. So God will have to separate you sometimes. And sometimes you won't understand it. But they are not going to go on with you in the things of God. And see, God knows it already. He knows who's going to be true to him and who's not going to be true to him. Don't lament people that used to fellowship with you that don't walk with God anymore. Start fellowshipping with God. Amen. Sometimes we cling too much to people and not enough to the God that can do everything for us. He's a jealous God. I'm not going to split you up with nobody. So we need to understand that. So anyway, we go over to, that was point of contact number three. Genesis 17. Come on, Miss Pat. Now keep it. One, two, how many? Thank you. <laughs> I knew you knew. Amen. So yeah, just make your, make your notation. Amen. I'm messing with you. Genesis 17. In verse 1, Abraham was 90 years old and 9. The Lord appeared to him, amen, and and began to talk with him about the things that, that he would need. 17, no, I got to go back. I'm sorry, I got to go to 15. I'm sorry. In 15, 15 verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. So he speaks to him first one way, then another. Visions, dreams. Why? Because God wants to consume your senses. He wants you to know. See, because the enemy can imitate God at any time. You understand what I'm saying? Get you off on attention. Things. So God will switch up on us. Talk to us. There are some people who just like, oh, I get dreams from God. Girl, you better go read your word. Let me tell you what you're missing. You understand what I'm saying? We word people. Good gravy. What are you waiting on a dream for? So anyways, how'd I get off on that? I'm just, see this word gets me wound up. You see me blame the word, right? After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram. I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. Always increasing the blessing. Every time God speaks to this man, he increases the blessing. Why? So he can increase his faith. Because the biggie is going to show up. Amen. Many times we want the biggie when we first start out with small. You know, we first start walking with God. And we're angry and disappointed and discouraged because it hasn't happened yet. It will happen. But you don't have the faith to pull it in right now. We don't want to believe that. But God is a just God. Why would he have you hanging on for nothing and torturing yourself with with your, you know, feeble faith and, and not able to do this and not able, you know, why would he torture you? There must be a good godly reason for it. And it's often a good godly reason that we really don't understand. And God is not going to explain everything to you either. You're going to have to take him by faith that he's a good God still, whether you get it or not. Amen. Whether you get it now or not. So he says here, he says, I'm your exceeding great reward. And then Abraham begins to question him about what he's going to give him. Now, they've got no kids yet. And, and you know, he and Sarah have been, been trying. They're still youngish people. No, no offspring. So, you know, that from the conversation he has. 
and he says, the only person that I can leave anything to is, is this man that's not related to me. And that's not what you told me you were going to give me. You know, it's okay to ask God questions. It's okay to ask him to explain when, where, how, and why. Am I still in the hunt, God? And you know, we still, what, 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 what's going on here? I don't understand this. And so Abraham asks him, and what does he do? God tells him this. He says, he, he says, behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this is not going to be your heir, but the one who shall come forth out of your own body shall be your heir. And he took him again abroad and said, look now toward heaven. Now, I don't know if he gave him this in a vision or if he walked there with him or transported him there. But he said, look and tell the stars if you're able to number them, so shall your seed be. So here's point of contact number four. Now, it's look at the, the first it was look at the sand, look at the stars. So if Abraham was encouraged and was looking up and worshiping God, he saw his children. If he was discouraged and was looking down at the ground and walking along the sand, he saw his children and he perked up. His faith got ignited every time a point of kite came back in contact with a point of contact. We know that he was probably a man that meditated quite a bit on the things of God. Why? Because Isaac picked up that habit from him. Said Isaac went out in the field one night to meditate and he looked up and his wife was coming in to see him on a donkey. You got me? So meditation on God's word is extremely powerful in building your faith and your expectation of an answer from God. Extremely powerful. So this is point of contact number what? Number four. So he asked God to to show him how this is going to happen. He says, Abraham believed in the Lord and God counted to him his righteousness. And he says, I'm the Lord, the same God that brought you out of the land. I'm the same one. I'm making contact with you again. And he tells Abraham to do something he has never done before. And that is bring animals for a sacrifice. This seals his promise in blood. The blood sacrifice is the convincer. Amen. We know that from the book of Hebrews. Amen. That that's our confirmation. It's an oath of confirmation. It's an end of all strife. What that means is that the blood should give you peace in your mind about something. I don't care if it lasts five minutes, you got peace. If you go to worrying about something and then God will pull you away from there and say, now, wait a minute. Remember, I told you, Jesus shed his blood for you to have this. Amen. Even at the communion table, we get those things settled over and over and over again. God, we're still in the hunt, God. You're still going to bless us. Still going to give me what I asked for. You're not going to, you know, turn your back on me. And so he says in verse eight, he says, and he said, the Lord, Abraham said, and he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? How will I know? See, with faith, you believe. With the blood, you know. That blood puts a knowing inside of you. You ever prayed about something and you thought you had forgotten about it and it shows up on your... Uh Uh-huh. It shows up anyhow. 
and you want to slap your mouth because you didn't talk bad about it and told God you didn't want it no more and it won't go, you know, you won't go have this and won't go ahead and it shows up anyway. That's because there's a knowing inside of you about that thing. I don't care how much your mouth is rattling, your brain is rattling, telling you can't have it. You know, oh, you done messed up for good. Now God ain't going to get that to you. You understand what I'm saying? And you think, well, I don't want it then. I don't know. Right. Uh, whatever. So so this blood gives us a knowing. We all have that knowing in us. When you start to believe God for something, there's a knowing. You Sometimes some things you pray about very intently for a season. And then you slack off. And you almost don't pray about it. And then you kind of don't even want it to be brought up in conversation. Anybody live with God long enough for that to happen to you? We all have. Amen. But somehow when you start thinking about it again, you'll start reading your word or worshiping God or get to a point of contact to remind you there it is. There you go. With, well, God, I thank you. I'm sorry, God. I didn't mean to tell you I didn't want that. I didn't mean to act like I'm, you know, I'm just, hey, I'm just a sister trying to be a saint now here. You know what I'm saying? I don't even want queen. I'm just trying to be a saint. You know what I'm saying? It's handmade, whatever, you know, I'm keeping the door. And so God slays these animals. God walks through the pieces. Very important. That's a God to man covenant. Man-to-man covenant, man walks through pieces. Man walks through blood with a man-to-man covenant. Why, when Israel left Egypt, did they only put blood over the lintel at the top and both doorposts on the side and not on the floor threshold of the house? God to man. In this covenant, God walks through the blood. Man does not walk through the blood. See, in Egypt, they did all kinds of rituals. You understand what I'm saying? To their crazy gods. They would spill their own blood and all that kind of stuff. God didn't allow. He said, when I make a covenant with you, I shed blood. Man does not shed blood for my covenant. How do we know that? When Isaac was offered up. Abraham put that knife over him like he was going to kill him. And the angel called him and said, "Uh uh-uh, don't do it. Amen. Man does not shed blood. Only one man shed blood in God's covenant. And that was his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And that ended all of the bloodshed for this covenant. So, So God walks through the pieces. That's what is that point of contact number four? Or is that three? That's five. Four was looking at the stars. We just had that. Five was the blood covenant. God walking through those pieces. He put Abraham to sleep. That shows you that Abraham has nothing. Man has nothing to do with carrying out this covenant in God. When you're asleep, you can't do nothing. When you're asleep, you're not responsible. When you're asleep, it's done on your behalf, not with your effort. So that's why works don't work in this covenant. That's why we cease from our own labors. Every time God put man to sleep and he did something, that means that this is a gift from God and your labors don't have anything to do with this. When, When Eve was formed from Adam, that's why 
Adam blamed God for her. That woman you brought me, that was after he fell. You know, he had no responsibility for her being there. Amen. Just a gift. Amen. You men need to remember that. You used to be able to get an amen out of the brothers. Say this. It's a gift. What's that? What's that? Pygmy Mars said, wife, life, you son of a gun. <laughs> amen. Amen. <laughs> No, but, but we make those little jokes and we shouldn't, we, we said we were going to quit yesterday, but we don't blame them for anything that they did. We honor Adam and Eve. Amen. But, but she came as a gift from God. He did not make her. Adam just did not own her. She was a gift from God taken from his side. Amen. So that they would have familiarity with one another. And so here we have a uh, point of contact number five. I think this is. This is the shedding of blood so that to make a knowing on the inside of Abraham. So from that day forward, his insides changed. He knew that God was going to give him a son. How do we know he knew that? Next thing we know, Ishmael is born. Amen. So Abraham has a knowing. He has faith that he will have a son. But as we know, they they did it wrong in that he didn't figure his wife into the equation. Why not? They didn't have a law. They didn't have the law of Moses to tell a Hebrew man that he should only have one wife. Amen. Men then had many wives. Many times they had children by maids and so forth. So that was common, and that's what happened there. And so he had Ishmael, amen, and but God reassures him in this chapter 15 that he would have many lands, many children. This was the sea, the sands, the specks of sand is a sea. Would his seed be? Chapter 16, Ishmael is born. We know that's a mistake because she and Sarah fell out. So she was rebellious against, uh, her, her Lord, lady. Uh, and so, we see life isn't that good, but they manage. Amen. They continue to plot along. And then in chapter 17, you see God coming to Abram again. And it says here, and this is about 25 years after he met God. And this is for you people who think you're supposed to have everything God promised you day one, or you're upset. And you can't take it no more and yada, 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 yada. And this is why God doesn't listen to us when we go on like that. He forgives us and he helps us. He helps our weakness because that's all that is, is weakness. And we don't really know and understand God well enough. In Genesis, in the, we're at 17 now. In verse 1, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Well, how can he do that if you don't help him? Amen? Amen. And so when you get instruction from God, if there's something you doubt you can do, just hang on because God is going to give you the ability to do it. And what does God do in this instance? God gives him circumcision as a sign of his covenant with God. 
So now we've got point of contact number. Miss Pat, not see. She supposed know what she did. Stuck up one finger. I said, "What did I do? Go back to kindergarten? Come on, Miss Pat, help me out." No, this is number what six or seven. Thank you, number six. <laughs> six is the number of man. So he gives man responsibility to keep the covenant with him now. Amen. So he tells Abram to circumcise all the males in his house, and this will be a sign point of contact that I'm going to give you that land. I'm going to give you your son. I'm going to give you all those descendants. I'm going to give you everything. So now Abraham has more to reflect on from day to day to day to assure him that God's going to keep his word to him. And see, when we see something like Romans 4, God call it those things that be not as though they are. And we run off and try to work that. How's it working for you? I mean, come on now. Be honest. Most of us will say, well, call those things that, oh, I slipped. I said I was sick again. Come on. fire department didn't been it a while already i don't even know if it's there anymore i would threaten to go over there but then in burnt the wide down can't go can't run over there now no they have it it was a false alarm i'm not gonna say that but you know we we all come on now y'all know the, the drill you call those things that be not as though they are i ain't sick i'm healed then you start feeling Huh? Or you count your pills to see how long till you can renew your prescription. Come on, y'all. So how come our calling things that be not as though they are ain't working so hot sometimes? Now I'm not saying it's not working for anybody, but, but you can call it and it'll stick with you and you'll feel peace about it for a hot minute. And then the devil will come and remind you of some, put, pull your mind over to, and pull your mind over to. What you need to do is have him pull your mind over to a point of contact. See, there's nothing wrong with having your mind pulled away from calling those things that be not as though they are. And then you hear, well, you got to expect it. And you say, how do I expect it? Oh, come on, y'all. How do I expect? Same thing you, the same thing, way you called it with your mouth. I'm expecting. I'm expecting God. God, I'm expecting you to do this. That's how you do everything with your words. It's amazing. God created one-sixth of the universe in 24 hours. Now, that's just how fast his word works. I'm not God. You got a spirit in you. You got a whole Bible full of promises. Why can't you come close? Why can't we get at least one promise working for us? You understand? Consistently. Huh? 
because we forget to put God in remembrance. We forget to put ourselves in remembrance. We forget that God will give us points of contact. Things that he's done for you in the past are things that you remember he's going to do. When he gives you a prophecy, quit running around telling everybody what he's going to do and start believing it yourself. You know, you you give that prophecy to the wrong person and they'll snatch it out of your mouth, step on it and curse it and tell you you can't have it. So these points of contact are to draw you back into God and into his strength. Every time you use a point of contact, you come into his presence for him to remind you what he told you he's going to do for you. And begin to thank him and worship him. God, I'm sorry I got all twisted around and turned around and thought I could find a quick shortcut. In other words, I've been trying to rob you, God. Amen. I'm the hold up person. Put a rush rush on everything. Amen. And God wants us to fellowship with him. He's got stuff to tell you that has nothing to do with making you great. And nothing to do with lining your pockets. And nothing to do with a lot of things. He just wants you to, to invest himself in you. He's got revelation secrets he wants to give to a lot of people on earth. But they so busy getting their stuff and running. Well, I don't care. I'm going to read to myself. So that was point of contact number. <laughs> the circumcision was point of contact number six. I remember that. Amen. So Point of contact number seven. We come to chapter 18. 17 and 18 really are repeating each other, so to speak. Amen. He gave circumcision comes in 17. 18, I believe, is the same visit. It's God visits Abraham and speaks to him. They have another covenant meal. He seals the deal with a meal with Abram. When you made friends with people, you shared a meal together. Amen. When you eat with somebody, that that's a high level of trust. You got me? You ask Middle Eastern people, they don't eat with Jews because they would have to stop fighting if they did. They don't even, if they're hungry and they come along a, a Jewish, Jewish people often leave their doors open, which means that if travelers come, they can help themselves and refresh themselves with whatever's in the house. They would have to be starving totally to go into a Jew's home and do that. They won't even eat from their own hand and let, let that be provided for them. So their their understanding of covenant is very strong. So then God visits Abraham one more time, and he tells him in 18, uh, he says here, um, he says, verse 9, this is after they're preparing the meal. He says, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. And, the, the you know, this is God in a, a form, a different form. They're angels, men, whatever. It's God coming to him. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, your wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard in the tent door and was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, well stricken in age. Sarah laughed within herself. So it wasn't loud. 
She said, after I'm old, am I going to have fun having a baby like young women? In other words, she's kind of cynical. What happened to you, God, when I was young? You you understand what I'm saying? How many of y'all felt that way? The older you get, the more you're going to have little complaints like that. And he says, why did Sarah laugh? Amen. And the Lord said to Abram, why does she laugh? And he said, of a surety, she don't have a child. She said, why of a surety bear a child when I'm, which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And at the time appointed, I will return to you according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah denied saying, I didn't laugh for she was afraid. And he said, yeah, you did laugh. Amen. And so the men rose up and laughed. And so it says here in, in, in verse 19, God begins to speak about Abraham being an intercessor and he begins to elevate him and lift him up. But the, the, this number seven point of contact is laughter. That's the last point of contact he gave Abram and Sarah. Amen. Cause she said, I will indeed bear a son and all those who hear will laugh with me. Amen. So this was laughter everywhere they went. Can you imagine telling somebody, an old couple, we're going to have a baby soon and they bust out laughing and they say, yeah, that's a confirmation from God. I will have a son. Do you understand what I'm saying? A point of contact is a way to release your faith. So they took her natural response of laughing. Because she thought it was so ridiculous and he turned it into a point of contact and he said, every time you laugh, your faith will increase for this son. And they began to rejoice and they told everybody. Every time they told somebody, they laughed and their faith was released for a son, a point of contact. God will use anything he needs to use, folks, to get your faith, to get to the place where you can have the things that you're expecting. You can have what you say. He, You can call those things that be not as though they are. But you've got to bolster your confession of 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 overlooking the natural and and just not paying attention to what you see, feel, hear, and taste. You can bolster your faith by having points of contact where God, just think about the good things God has done for you. They're points of contact. They're not things for you to just listen to and say, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, why am I thinking this? But just think, let yourself rest there and meditate on that for a season and see what God is speaking to you. And he'll say, just like I did that for you, I'm going to do this next thing for you that you think is impossible. I'm going to do the impossible for you everywhere you turn around. Just keep in my presence. Keep in these, keep relying on me to build your faith. See, we try to do this all ourselves outside of God. You can't do it outside of God. He visited Abram over and over and over again many times to reassure him. You're not out here. God's not putting the screws to you, testing you to see how much word you know. That you can parrot back to him, catch you on a bad day where you ain't in the word, your hair all over everything or sitting over in the dresser or wherever. You understand what he ain't doing that to us. 
He's encouraging us. He's strengthening us. He's bolstering our faith. He's giving us pictures, visions, dreams all over the place. He's given us everything we need to get ourselves in a position where we expect it all the time. I expect it all the time. He wants his people, expect me all the time. You don't ever know when I'm coming. Expect me all the time. That's why no man knows the day and the hour of the Lord's return. He's wanting us to expect him all the time. Amen? And if we walk with him, we won't be caught off guard. We won't be caught short. We won't die without having received the promises. You got me? We will receive everything without fail. He's a no-fail God. Without fail, everything he's promised us. Amen? Amen. I'm glad because y'all have worked me to death up in here. Poppy, I had to stand up a little bit. You know the girl don't stretch the knees. Just uh, unnecessary. No, that's right. Right, 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 right. Tell them, Miss Jan, tell them the girl working hard. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I'm messing with you. No, I don't take any anointing home with me. I leave it all on the field, as they say. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. If anybody needs prayer, come on up for your prayer. Father, we thank you for bringing people in today, people who need you. We always need you, and we know that, Father. So we thank you for your presence here. We thank you, Lord, for helping us, blessing us, and keeping us. Thank you, Lord, for your holy anointing, your holy oil which confirms to us everything that we need and it manifests your glory in such a great way. Thank you for your glory, Lord. It's over all the earth. It's over all the earth. Over all the earth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, the, the Lord is, is telling me to tell you some things and, and this is, isn't necessarily related to the teaching, but he says, don't be surprised. And, and where you go and people begin to lift me up and exalt me. For I will be exalted in all the earth. My glory is not confined to a building. It's not confined to a denomination. It's not confined to a specific people. But it will be, that scripture will be fulfilled. That as surely as I live, saith the Lord, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of my glory like the waters cover the seas. It is increasing in the earth. It says it is increasing in the earth. Those that you highly, slightly suspect would know me. Know me, says the Lord. For I am working even in the quiet places, says the Spirit of the living God. Amen. 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 Amen.